I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. People can change anything they want to. And that means everything in the world. Show me any country and there'll be people in it. It's time to take the humanity back into the center of the ring. Follow that for a time. You know, think on that. Without people, you're nothing. Without people, you're nothing. Stoke the fire. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another instalment of your new favourite podcast, Stoke the Fire. Matt Stocks, Jesse Leach, as always, we're your hosts. Jesse, how the devil are you doing? I'm well, thank you, my friend. And you? I'm loving life. I'm feeling the vibes. Um, my spirits are lifted. My mood is elevated. And today's guest, I've got a good feeling about this one. Yeah, I do too, man. Just based off of what he wrote and, uh, you know, how his uh, character appears via his social media, which I peeked in on real quick just to check him out. It seems like he's going to be a fun guest for sure. And we're going to go to some deep places as well, because this is a story, I think, probably out of everybody we've had on the show from the the listener side of things, this is probably the the story with the most to unpack. Um, and we're going to try and do our best with with our guests, obviously, enthusiasm and, and, and uh, honesty and everything else to, to do so. So without further ado, um, Garrett, Garrett Keeping from Vancouver, Canada, join us by the fire for an episode of Stoke the Fire live from UK to USA to Canada. What's going on, dude? Yeah. Oh, it's going good, man. It's going good. I'm impressed you guys figured out these time zones, how to make that work. That's uh funny that's, story. That's yeah, I bet. I just I just actually came from the mountain, man. I uh ran up the this mountain called the Coquitlam Crunch just now. I did it twice. It's like a set of stairs that go right up the mountainside there. I love to go there and you know, just get get my you know, my mental health in check, you know, it's it's important. So I just got back from that and I'm super excited to be here and talk to you guys, which is super stoked man what can i say at the top of this i just have to say the pma hat and the hate breed poster behind you give me give me, the full self right i mean give me good vibes already bro i love it yeah dude i have this hat made especially for you guys because it's all about the positive metal attitude do, do you know what as well i'm feeling the gene simmons doll i love gene i'm team gene all the way a lot of people like to uh, gene i dig him it's an old, it's a, it's, yeah, it's a bust. It's like made of porcelain. I got that years and years ago for Christmas. Hell yeah, bro. Exactly. The he's demon. My, he's my, uh, yeah, he's my little, my little dude just chilling in the background. So. I think we should start at the start with you, Garrett, because I feel like there's a lot to cover, and it seems like you're up for talking about most, most of it, if not all. Um, yeah. So you, you outlined in your email that you grew up in foster care. Um, was that where your life started out? Are they your earliest memories or did you have a, you know, a family and a home before ending up in that environment? How did, how did you find yourself in foster care? If you don't mind going down that hey road man, to let's start us off. Yeah, let's, let's, we can get vulnerable. That's why I'm, that's why I'm here. You know, there's no shame and there's a lot of strength in being vulnerable and uh, being honest. And yeah, you know, I was born into this world and everything was pretty normal. I, 
far as I can remember till I was about eight years old and I had come from a you know a good family like well my grandfather quickly like fought in World War II um he was in the Navy and um he had four daughters and obviously one of them was my mom and my aunts and then he came back yet a lot of stuff happened in the war he came back and he he obviously had PTSD and a lot of a lot of a lot of stuff going on. So I believe there's some early dysfunction even in that household. And then then my mom had me, and um, everything was pretty normal. So I was about eight. So eight years old was when I was in my first foster home, and it was a revolving door um, that whole time. So eventually, I became a ward of the court. I believe I was like fifteen or sixteen. I can't really remember, but you know, my brain has definitely blocked out a lot of that, which I've learned recently, like with trauma, you know, my brain's clicked out, but yeah, my mom, um, was a single mother raising me. Everything was pretty normal until it was about eight. And then at some point, yeah, she, she, you know, things got sour and she decided she couldn't handle me, you know, as a high energy child, I believe. And my dad, my biological father never stuck around, you know, and that's kind of a sad statistic that's pretty prevalent in our society you know what i mean but i was lucky enough that at the age of two my mom dated this guy shout out to my real dad uh my stepfather intervened and he's just super metal and he hung out when i was two years old they dated for a bit and then for whatever reason he just kept me around and um he just i was hanging out like he would just bring me with his friends he was young man he's like 22 and he just slowly just would babysit me and keep me hanging around and then over time he just became my dad you know so anyway there's there was a lot of normalcy in the beginning and then of course the foster home started and there's a lot of tragedy in those foster homes there was a revolving door so i would go to my my earliest memory of the foster home i was like eight years old and you got to imagine, like, that's pretty traumatic for an, an eight-year-old child to try to comprehend. And one of the things that I remember was just the smell of, of it. Like, the smell of the food they were cooking and, like, the furniture. Just it, It's just, it was a really, like, strange thing for my little brain to comprehend. So that I recently, I, I just recently learned was when the first trauma happened and that was severe like we're talking super displaced immediately which in later years comes out in relationships there's a lot of stuff that happened man, right and uh so the that now from there i'm not really i don't really fully remember what happened there was another foster home and it would just be like i would come home and mom and i would fight or there's just some kind of disturbance and then back into the next foster home and then i would stay there and then I go back home and back. So just back and forth and back and forth. And, and what's really cool on this podcast, the last week or so, I've had to really think about all this and really bring it to the surface and try to compartmentalize it. Like, okay, hey, what am I going to tell these dudes? Like, it's, so it's been healing for me to like really kind of revisit some of that. And some of the things I remembered, like there was a dude that tried to strangle me in one of those foster homes. There was, you know, there was one that, Later on, where the where the parents would leave constantly, and the lady downstairs, which was like the mom or something or the grandma, she would lock me in my room for days on end, and um, you know, just she'd feed me. And then there was, 
you know, and then that's, it was just a lot of, a lot of turmoil, you know what I mean? And I've definitely blocked a lot of it out. So I'm trying to revisit it. I've actually signed up for trauma therapy, um, which is start, which is becoming quite helpful. And, um, yeah, so there was, there was just a lot, a lot of, a lot of scary stuff that happened, you know, and then as I grew up, um, I became just a ward of the court. So the, the system got tired of my mom pulling me in and out of the foster home. And of course she's got trauma. Like I said, my grandfather came back from the war and had PTSD. So they grew up in a dysfunctional home as well. He was an alcoholic. I mean, my earliest memories of my grandfather were like him. He's like an old newfie, right? He'd be sitting in the kitchen with his big belly and he'd be drinking and He's always drinking pills and rum and coke. Like you still hear like the the glass, like the ice cubes in the glass, like old. And he's like, "Hey, Papa," and he just he could tell, like even looking back, that he was really messed up, man. Like he's he's seen some terrible stuff. So, you know, dr- trauma and dysfunction. It's 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 a cycle, and it just keeps recycling until someone puts a stop to it. And that's essentially where I am right now in my life. Like I'm just through addiction and broken relationships. I remember um, Jesse there on his on one of your pot, uh, one of the episodes, episode two. He was just talking about his relationship, and I related so much to that. I was like, yeah, man, you know, I've been in a lot of that. So anyway, getting back to the war of the court thing. So there's a point. I believe I became war of the court around. I was 15 years old. And that just the government like of Canada's is like, hey, that's it. We're you're we're your boss now, we're your parent, and you're gonna stay put in a, in this place. And the last foster home I was in was one of the better ones. They were really cool people. They were like really, you know, they actually just recently contacted me via Facebook. And uh they yeah, they were super nurturing, and that that was where that was in Maple Ridge, Canada. So that's Maple Ridge. It's outside of Vancouver, a little ways. And that's essentially where my foster care sort of stopped. And I went to high school there. That was my last foster home. And then from there, I went on my own, essentially, and grew up in Maple Ridge, which is like a sick little town. It's like it's like the it's like from the movie Days of Confused. That was what it was like back in back then. It was a good time, just with all the muscle cars. Well, let's. But, um... yeah let's hit pause for there for the moment and um as a kid like you're getting tossed from home to home are you becoming more angry and disenfranchised with the world as time goes on like what's your state of mind as a young boy um obviously you you blocked out the bad stuff that happened but like was there any good and how were you developing as a young man were you becoming angry were you becoming disenfranchised were you becoming a loner were you partying from a young age what was going on so yeah you know what it's funny i heard someone say uh when you have trauma the rest of the world goes on achieving and doing their thing and you when you're a trauma survivor in that sort of scenario you just realize that you've deemed the world unsafe so you grow up just trying to protect yourself so no i mean I during those times, no, I didn't develop properly. I was like, I was emotionally stunted at probably 10 or 11, right? And so, yeah, like 
there were some good foster homes, right? There was people that really did try. Like, I mean, I must have been in well over a dozen different foster homes. Now, that's insanity, right? And so there were a few that were good that tried to take it in. But as I grew up, I didn't quite conceptualize the issues I was developing. And it wasn't until I, later on in life when I went to high school, started getting into, you know, meeting people. Um, uh, I had a lot of friends, you know what I mean? But there's always something off about me, man. There's always... I always felt like left, I was always different. You know, of course, I feel like a misfit of the misfits. You know, there's all the metalheads and the hippies and these people, but, you know, I wasn't a part of the cool crowd. We were all rejects too, but I just always felt off. And um, yeah, I just didn't develop properly. And so I started doing a lot of drugs. At first it was just mushrooms. LSD, you'd skip school, you'd go up Town Maple Bridge, all the hippies were up there playing guitar, you know, they're all doing it, it was pretty, pretty normal, you know, well, I mean, it wasn't, you know, that bad, like, it was just a lot of psychedelic rock and roll, Jimi Hendrix, The Doors, like, it was really cool, and then I slowly got introduced to harder drugs, and then that was it, that was my escape, I was just, I was doing a lot of, um, I slowly just degraded and started getting into really hard drugs like cocaine and methamphetamine. There was, you know, there was, there was crack use at some point. It's a lot of isolation and of course drinking and, and all that type of stuff. Right. And then just, and then come the women, you know what I mean? And then you start getting an attached, you start attaching to girls, you start attaching to drugs, you start, you know, you just start going, searching all these places, exterior places to get, help or, or, to, or to fill voids i didn't even know we're voids till recently you know what i mean and it was yeah it's been it's been it's been a freaking journey man like it's been a journey and a lot of good stuff you know but a lot of bad stuff as well so yeah i've got i've i've got to commend you uh first of all just for recognizing you know your path and sort of looking back at your life and the language that you're using now seems really healthy to me and it seems like you are definitely a survivor and uh, i know people um in fairly similar situations to you um who haven't gotten out or have passed on because of their addictions so the fact that you were able to and i can't even imagine being eight years old and and you know getting put into a foster home and having that feeling of why you know wrestling with that idea of like why did this happen to me i, I cannot imagine that so you know i commend you for what you're saying and for being a survivor and for recognizing that. Cause that's really half of the battle is knowing that you came from a place that isn't normal. And the fact that you did cope the way you did is I think is a fairly normal way to cope, you know, through drugs and alcohol and escapism and pulling through that, you know, and the fact that you got through some of the, the heavier, darker shit like crack. And like, I know people that have not come back from that shit. They might still be alive, but they are definitely a shell of who they used to be. Um, so that journey of, of getting out of, um, you know, your head and looking back and finding that now, is this through, did you seek out a therapist? Is this, you know, did the state recommend you do this? I mean, or is this journey on your own? Did you come out of it going, I need help? Or did someone say this kid needs help? How did that journey happen? Or is this just through sheer determination that you came to this realization that things weren't 100% right with you? Well, let me tell you, Jesse, there's the power of metal that saved me. <laughs> you know, 
but seriously, and I'll tell you that it's funny, like, I, I, like uh, in, uh, Atonement and Incarnate, like, it's weird. Like, it seems like Killswitch Engage releases albums every time I go through a massive breakup. I'm like, oh, there's Killswitch there to catch me. Thanks, by the way. You know, I hate Breed, but and seriously, though, what it, it was me for me, I had to figure this out on my own. No one forced me to do anything, man. It was me literally bumbling through the like the landmines of my own poor decision making, like just the hard way, the hard way, the hard way, you know. Like I, I'm just I've mastered the art of suffering, and uh, you know, and it's uh, what happened was it was just really what really brought me to I had is, is women are my kryptonite, so it's been I've I got to a place. Recently, I had a relationship about two years ago that that ended terribly, right? And it was horrible. It was a horrible. The person that broke up with me was wasn't kind, you know. And that's the thing because hurt people, hurt broken people, hurt hurt broken people. And it was the pain of that breakup that was so unbelievable that I was like, "What is this? Like, what is this pain? Like, this isn't normal." There's breaking up. There's the dudes that lose their girlfriends and blow up their phones and all this stuff and you know there's pain and heartbreak and it's all there and it's all relevant to every individual this was different like and it's been like that a few different times through my relationships that attachment bond to these women that's unhealthy because the bond with my mom was never created and originally right they say that from zero to seven are the most crucial years for a child's development and so anyway, through those breakups and through losses of jobs, I couldn't even hold a job through all these losing my licenses addiction always trying eventually I'm like there's something wrong big time and it was that was when i started reaching out to books you know or reading just or reaching out you know just reaching out to reaching out to books man i got lots of them and youtubes and and just any information i could get that would help me understand what i was going through and what this pain was you know because and I recently reached out to a, um, a trauma therapist and it's insane. Like what's out there right now. There's a lot of information. If you, uh, on the internet, even through your lyrics and Jesse's or uh, Jamie, Jamie's lyrics, like me and you guys, we're all very connected people. Like just, you guys have a cooler job, you know, just like he said. So through those lyrics and through all these modalities that I've learned that I'm like, okay, I have trauma, like serious trauma and attachment disorders and, I'm clinging, you know, when you spend two years sitting in, or like every time a break would happen, I'd spend a year to two years sitting there in the alleyway, drinking vodka or fireball, listening to kill switch, listening to hate breed, listening, like listening to all this metal and just, just isolating and escaping. Not even hanging out with people. People are all partying and drinking. I'm just sitting there guzzling straight vodka. And anyway, yes, it was my last breakup that really brought all the trauma to the surface and i swear my higher power is coming spirit some sort of spirit there's some vibration that's like yo buddy like we're come on now like you're like if something's happening so i did recently reach out to the aa and like ca community cocaine anonymous um and just for group therapies or just just anything you know what i mean to, to find to, to try to just solve this and i and meditation prayer um these are all like helpful and it's what i'm learning now and i have been sharing my journey on facebook um i've had i've made videos because it's about the last seven years is when i've been really grinding trying to get sober and um are you are you sober now i'm 40 
five days right now off alcohol. Well done. And thanks. Um, but I've had way more clean time now, like than I've past. been out on the yeah, like since that last in the last two, three years, I've had way more clean time than than being out there drinking. So are you trying to get sober or are you just trying to like cut back and, and be a healthy individual? Um, you know, that's a loaded question because, you know, uh, I'm a master of like, I'm the guy that like builds his house or builds his life. Like there's stoking your fire, which is this, this is already doing for me. So thank you so much. And then there's being a master of burning your, your, your house down. <laughs> so that's what happened. I can relate. Yeah. Right. So like, so last year, yes, I do. Oh, it's a loaded question. It's probably best for me to stay sober, period. But I did hear Dave Mustaine on the Jasta podcast a while back. And he we all know his story. Like he was going hard for a long time. I believe I he was on Jasta's podcast talking about how now he went sober and now he just drinks wine occasionally. Well, so, I mean, I, we were talking about this with Keith Buckley, and I guess I've been on that similar journey. Nothing like to the same extent with, with like losing myself in drugs, really, but certainly like overindulging in alcohol, certainly like drinking for the wrong reasons. And so what, <laughs> I've, what I've tried to do this year, and it's changed my life drastically for the better, is I've tried to basically be sober 95% of the time. And then every month or so I'll pick a day where I get together with some friends and have some drinks. And that's my one time when it's a social thing. And then the rest of the time, I'm just not doing it. And that's kind of where I'm at at the moment is I know that I'm not an alcoholic, thankfully. um, But I also know that I have an unhealthy relationship with it if it's in my life too often. And and so I'm trying to limit that contact that I have with it and and control it because moderation and as Keith Buckley said on this show a few weeks back, moderation is harder than abstinence. And and that is the it key, is. is right, is trying to do it in a healthy way that it doesn't burn the house down, as you say. And it's learning that fine line. Yeah, and I mean, even Jamie says, you know, his famous quote is, uh, once too many and a thousand's never enough, you know? And it's like, uh, yeah, I really don't think I'm probably one of those people can drink casually, you know, and I, it, it's going to be... It'll be tough. It's like I just I was just researching you, Matt. Like I uh obviously coming onto this podcast, I was like, I was checking your podcast out. And it's funny because I went the first one I listened to is the dude from Airborne. He's like telling a story about how he like like went party, 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 and they're like, yo, yo, you got you gotta get on stage in like 20 minutes. So he goes out there and just barfs life away. Pukes everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, Jesse so runs on stage at this festival in Spain at about two in the afternoon and just pukes red wine all over himself. First song, like 10 seconds into their set. I know, like, it is red like, wine in the afternoon, Jesus. It's <laughs> a hard style. Right? Like, yeah. just hardcore. And then, I, so then after that podcast, I just listened to Rob, your Rob Halford one. Actually, my phone's sitting on Rob Halford's book right now. Oh man, that book. So he, in that book, he is like more raw and honest than any rocker. I think I've never read a rock biography as revealing and candid and vulnerable as his. You know, he's talking cruising like fucking toilets on the highway and, you know, having sexual fucking encounters and exchanges with strangers. And one of them turns out to be a fan. Like he blows this guy through a toilet hole and then the guy comes out and he's decked head to toe in Judas Priest. 
<laughs> and Rob Halford's like, see you at the next show. Like, <laughs> fucking crazy. That book's so good, man. And he is, yeah, that's a brave, inspiring man right there. I couldn't believe, and I know you asked him Read into the hard questions on that bar podcast. I was like, "Holy shit!" And like, he just—he's super vulnerable, right? And I was—I was impressive. Yeah, I'm really looking forward. I put the book down for good luck. You know, kind of weird that way. But I got that—I got that synchronicity. You got to shine. Got to shine the good stuff. Yeah, man. It's even a synchronistic algorithm that I'm here right now. Like, it's just strange how the universe puts you in the right place to do, you know real cool stuff but it's like and that's one of the things you know i always i was always um reluctant to go to the aa or the ca meetings or any of that stuff but when i when i heard rob talking about it alice cooper who i met when i was like 10 and uh d schneider you know if, if they can pray and stay sober you know if it's good enough for them it's good enough for me now and so so yeah it's just been i don't know for now definitely i need to stay sober and it's i did get sober believe this or not last and thanks to fucking covid like oh um that's a whole other struggle right there isn't it is these last 12 months for everybody of you know they've brought up all kinds of new challenges for all of us for everyone and, and i think for the first time in human history to some extent there's obviously still the crazy division that there is which was one of the reasons why me and jesse wanted to start this show was to try and actually bring people together rather than push them apart but um this year has i think for the first time in my lifetime taught the whole world at one time like here's a fucking troublesome situation that you're all going to have to deal with together and everybody's learned a thing or two about humility and pain and stress and you know all these things at once it's it's thrown up all kinds of shit for everybody yeah, absolutely. And it, 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 I think it's really revealing the cracks in society. I think it's really bringing to light the mental health issues that are prevalent in society. Like, you know, lately I've been pulling out of the matrix more and more, you know, just when I talk about these types of subjects at work or certain places, people just seem a little lost sometimes. Like it, they're still like, they're kind of interested, but you can tell like, it, the way we're rolling now ain't working. The corporation, the, the, the grind, the greed, like it's, it's obviously not, we're built on a house of cards, yo. And it, and we're, uh, this pandemic has really brought to light some very important issues. And I, and I do believe like it's important, like the work mental health is going to have to be taken seriously. Cause like I said, you're at a construction site or you're at work or in general, you're sharp. You know, before you talk to people about mental health, they're like, oh, they get all awkward about it, get vulnerable, or you try to get vulnerable people, it's, it's, they don't like it. It's, you know, trying to get outside the norm, the, the, what did Jasta call it, the, uh, the agenda or whatever. But now it seems to be becoming more prevalent. People are, people are losing it. I don't know, you know, they're like, well, this, this is hard. Yeah. It's really hard. I think that mental illness has always been seen as a weakness, you know, and right? people are starting to realize that it is a strength, you know, like just from what you're saying, and even the fact that you came to this realization on your own, that's warrior stuff right there. You know, it's that warrior, like warrior, warrior, baby. Yeah, warrior doesn't have to apply to the physical, you know, it, we're in a new age where, you know, you can pull out of the warlike um, attitude of the physical, at least physically, you know, and I, I see it much more as a, as a spiritual uh, a combat and being at war with yourself. And I think you, you, the fact that you're aware, you know, and you're still wrestling, I can see it. It's, and, you know, certain questions you lean back in the chair and I can see you processing it. That's really cool to see because you are on your way. And I think you've answered your own question as far as, you know, sobriety goes um, because I have dear friends of mine who, literally cannot have one drink or two drink because it they 
and I've seen it. It's like a switch goes off and they're just there at the bar doing shots. And then within an hour, they're fucking hammered and they don't even resemble. They don't even resemble the person that they were an hour ago. Um, Thankfully, um, I've been managing to sort of have a drink and stop and my body. It's crazy because I detoxed. I got off this 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 year did a full juice like cleanse like the crazy i'm like healthiest they've ever been in my life now but i'll have a a drink and i'll go to have a second drink and legitimately my body is like no my brain used to crave it like i I used to be that guy too like i just wanted to get numb and have fun and and be a shithead and and um, my body doesn't even allow it like i literally feel myself going ah i can't i can't do that shit anymore so i'm fortunate but I'm one of like very few people that I know in my life, uh, including, you know, the band and everybody where it's just a party atmosphere and I just can't fucking do it anymore. So on the flip side of that, and to sort of give you some more ammunition, hopefully, um, the amount of work that I've been able to do because I've been off booze and off of, you know, numbing myself. And I used to, you know, I used to take acid like candy for a bunch of years. Um, I've really come to terms with my own issues and my suppressed stuff. And I've got shit in my past that I, you know, I've suppressed memories and stuff I've never really dealt with either. And you get a sense of strength and you get a sense of, um, I don't know, empowerment when you are able to face this shit without drowning in a substance. And it may be difficult at first or forever for some people, but I have found a lot of strength pushing past that and sitting with myself and my sober thoughts and wrestling with that shit. And yeah, there are days when I don't want to get out of bed. There are days when I'm fucking dark and I'm anxious and I'm angry. Like I lashed out yesterday. I had like a panic attack and there was a, a couch in my studio that needed to get out. It wouldn't fit out of the door. So I took my ax in my house and just was hacking it to pieces, which isn't the healthiest way. But like you find different ways to to manage your, your brain and like you can do it without drugs. You can do it without alcohol. And sometimes you can do it without medication, you know, and I don't have any of that shit in my life for the most part. So I'm going to encourage you, man, do your best to stay sober as long as you can. So you can work out these demons. And it sounds like you have a lot of work to do, but the fact that you recognize that shit on your own, like that's some cool shit, bro. And I give you big props for that. And the fact that you've been looking at books and, and also thank you so much for citing my lyrics because I wrote those lyrics, especially incarnate. That was a dark time in my life. I wrote those lyrics specifically to deal with my own demons and with the idea in mind to help others deal with it. So I love that you mentioned that. And that's what this shit is all about, man. This podcast, being a good human is sharing and helping and encouraging others to get better and to be stronger. Exactly. To you, bro. Well, thank you. And I mean, wasn't it your lyrics that said, gather all your pain and suffering Turn them into strengths and weaponry to overcome the enemy. I mean, continue, continue, continue. <laughs> you know, and that, that's right, man. And it's funny. I saw me the other day, too, on Facebook that was like, people with mental illness, it was like, uh, uh, we can go through horrible, traumatic experiences, mostly with a straight face, but if we lose a pen, we just fucking lose our minds. <laughs> I can see. I'd be the guy axing the coach. Or I'm in traffic. I'm like, fuck. Why? Just go. Oh, you're so slow. I got a podcast to do. <laughs> well, do you know what you highlight there and what goes all the way for me and a lot of people I know is a sense of humor and being able to laugh your way through the pain. Like comedy and like the absurdity of life and the ability to recognize it and laugh at it 
has been such a tonic in my life and such a medicine and a way of getting through some really bad, hard times. It's just like having, you know, trying to fucking find the funny side of it and, and laugh, not inappropriately, obviously at anybody else's expense, but you know, life is fucking stupid. It's worth a good laugh. <laughs> well, it's just, yeah. It's sometimes you just go, it's just ridiculous. Like sometimes you just go, what the fuck? Like you get so angry. You're just like, ah, fuck, whatever. Just laugh it off. Like if you can't laugh at yourself, you know, who can you laugh at? And I've, I've been one of those people, man. I've been bullied and misunderstood through band members, this and that all my life. And it's been, so frustrating man like and um you know and at, at this point it's like ah, i got zero fucks to give anymore i'm just gonna be myself like even coming on this podcast podcast i'll see if you're nervous and i'm like you know what why are you nervous just breathe and just be yourself these are just these are dudes man they got cool jobs you know and it's just it's, it's gonna be fun it's, it, 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 we can't take life too seriously but we definitely should you know there's a time and a place you know and it's funny because i actually reached out to john joseph recently and um, so I'm going to take his, um, I'm going to take his coaching course. Yeah. And uh, he was on the, do you know, are you familiar with the London Reel with Brian Rose? He was on there. Yeah. I just recorded a chat with John the other day. It hasn't aired yet as we're doing this. It hasn't gone out, but I had an amazing chat with him. Uh, just read his book. What's it called? Jesse John's book, The Evolution of the. Evolution of a Chrome Magnum. Yeah. That's one of his and three. The PMA effect. Yeah. PMA effect and meet is for pussy. His three books. Yeah. yeah. That's the best one. Joe Rogan yeah. got wind of that. I was like, I got to have this dude on my podcast. He's yeah. a he's a great podcast guest, and he's you know Jesse knows him a lot better than me. He's he's a great guy, and he's a force of nature. He is, yeah. He he's inspiring because he. I mean, where he came from, you guys. If you, have you do, you, are you aware of his book? Have you read his book? Or are you? I haven't yet. I went to go order it, and it's all sold out. But I watched him on Iron Mind. With John Jose, or sorry, with um, um, oh, she's Brian Rose. So he was on on that documentary, and it was like I was like, oh, and then I messaged him like, oh my god, dude, you, I was in Boston care. I love you. Like, yeah, oh, okay. No. So, so yeah, you could sorry. relate to that. Yeah, no, no, yeah, that's what I was getting at. You could relate totally to his story and the fact that he went from you know someone who relied on drugs to like a warrior for being sober and being a badass. And uh, I would recommend you actually buy the audio book of him where he actually reads it aloud. That is the full John Joseph experience of that book. You got to do that. <laughs> so you might not be able to get the book, but you can go buy the audio and yo, do it. My my. So my girlfriend, side note, my girlfriend has been through some crazy shit too. And yeah, within, within the first like 25 minutes of her hearing the audio book, she's in tears like relating to what he's saying. So I highly recommend that, dude. Yeah, he's a good right. example of somebody who's really pulled through and is hyper focused on his health. It's yeah, he's an inspiration. He's hard, man. He's like doing those iron Iron Man like trial trial thons or whatever, sorry. And uh yeah, like 60s. He's like 60. I'm like, I follow him on Instagram. He's always and I get his month or his Monday um uh, newsletter. It's just always super inspiring, man. Like I'm like, I'm 37, I'm never gonna live my dreams is like you know uh too old and then i see this guy out there just pounding the pavement. i'm like oh i'm like shut up man I'm like what's up with you get it together you know and yeah, the youth is a state of mind isn't it sorry youth is a state of mind it really is man like your biological age is like your physical age like going back to what jesse said too about being healthy is like 
your body's age and the way you take care of yourself is different than your actual age. You know, it's all, it really is in the mind. I mean, yeah, yeah. If you're Ozzy Osbourne, you're 70, you know, like it, life catches up a little bit, but for real, like, you know, it's, it's, it's positive mental attitude, man. And it's what you put into your body and it's how you live your life. And I feel sorry, man, for a lot of people too, that aren't doing this work that aren't coming on a podcast and talking. And that's what's so amazing about your podcast is that you are hitting those issues. And I always chime in on Jastin's show because I'm a Patreon and I'm always asking the heavy questions. Like, you know, I don't want to know about the gear necessarily or this and that. I'm like, how did you get sober, Billy Bile? How did, you know, how did you do this? And let's get to the root. Like, what's what's what makes you guys tick? And I think that, you know, it's just some people don't clue in until way later I'm just, uh, yeah, man. I think healthy routines really help. Like, a, like a, such a big part of staying young in the mind and young physically. You know, you just in, in terms of like the healing process you've been on. You've mentioned books and and video tutorials, and obviously you're getting right information and messages. But what are you doing, um, like? your process or activities uh, do you have set things that you do that help you out and i guess what i also wanted to tag on to that question you've hinted at it but your relationship with spirituality as well and how that feeds into you know your pma effect and how you've managed to turn your life around and you you stay connected to you know the positive side of life is is faith a part of that for you faith is becoming a part of that so routine is huge anyone listening <laughs> everyone listening like first off get up early be a part of the 5 a.m club open your window up so light gets in water your plants immediately drink water read something positive put on you know uh i get up so that's what i do i get up and i uh put on some positive um youtube videos and i'm in the bathroom doing my skin care stuff brush you know just it's all routine and consistency and then I'm up and then I'm doing some exercise and then I'm off to work. And then I train at the end of, you, you know, whenever I can train, it, it, I, I fit it in. So I got a really busy schedule right now. I just started my own little podcast. I deliver pieces on the weekend, but it's crucial to just stay consistent and have a routine. And, and, you know, even though Halford's like, got no time for routine, I ship <laughs> around the thoughts, but it's important to have it. Right. <laughs> but I have a funny story about a higher power, brother. And it's uh, when I, so uh, what was it? Uh, last summer, actually, Jesse, I saw you guys at uh, one of the last master festivals I went to was the Heavy Montreal. Uh, it was, yeah, like two summers ago. So I went to Heavy Montreal, got blasted, came home, shivered like a leaf and got sober. And I got sober for 11.5 months. Then COVID hit like two weeks away from here for the first time in my life, man. I got a Harley dip, brought a brand new Harley. I was, that was, I, I thought I was doing real good. I was like, oh, that's, you know, I'm good to go, man. I got 11.5 months. I'm going you know, to fire up some, some dating apps to chase girls, you know, this and that. And it was, a, man, I was there. I started drinking, man. It was a slow descent. So that descent led me to an, an, a, a slow, burn depression again and uh i just got out of that but when i was the bottom and i've been to rock bottom so many different times that you know i got a men's group down there now they just wait for me <laughs> like welcome back dude it's good to see you 
But um, what happened was I got real desperate there. This is relating to my higher power here. Sorry, but I got real desperate. It started, the, the, the cycle started coming back again. I'm drinking vodka. I'm getting up in the morning. I'm drinking vodka, passing out, keep drinking, drinking, drinking. So I started freaking out. I'm like, what am I going to do? So that was when I kind of reached out to the AA community. But I'm like, okay, man, like this cycle's not going to end. Like here I am by myself drinking again. I'm like, I'm like, and I was like one night, I'm like, I got to, this, this has to stop. Like, I got to stop this. So I said, okay, that's it. I'm going to the river and praying. And here in Coquitlam, which is outside of Vancouver, there's a gorgeous river behind me. And I go there to write music. I go there to me like meditate and trip and, and just chill and listen to music. And this river's behind me. So I'm sitting in my room here that night. This is like five months ago or what? Or what was this? It was like three. Anyway, I just, I was sitting here and I'm just desperate. So I go to the liquor store, I grab my last bit of booze, I go to the river in the pitch black night. There's the full moon. I sit there and I'm and I'm drinking this booze and I'm, I'm and I'm just trying to I get it right down to the last little bit, like a message in the ball, and I've got the moon right there, and I, it's in the black water, the river. I'm by myself in there and I get on my knees in the cold, hard, rocky ground and i'm praying i'm like whatever this is like wherever if there's any but great creator and great spirit like I'm, I'm i know there's something so please hear my call I'm, i need to stop i need you to just help me somehow i have to stop this because it's gonna go bad it's gonna get real bad if i if i don't get out of this now and i prayed and i prayed and i prayed and i just like just you know and uh i i drank that last little sip i threw the bottle away and I went home and uh, oddly enough, someone came to my door that morning. It was like right early in the morning, bang, bang. I'm like, what? I wake up in that. And normally I'd wake up shaking and I have to get more booze. And this is my next door neighbor friend who I haven't seen in a while. I haven't seen her. She just all of a sudden showed up at my door. You want to go for a walk? And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, that, that, that would be great. And, uh, and I told her, I'm like, okay, I can't drink. You got to keep me together. And she's like, okay. And then I'm plugging into, and then my buddy's texting me like, do you need, I know a meeting by your house. Or what do you say? He's like, I, I know a meeting. He's like, I'll set you up. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, I don't want to take a bus and do all this work. And, you know, like, like I don't want to make my way all the way to this place. And where is it? So I'm hanging out with her. I get home and I'm like, all right, well, I better text that, you know, I better Google where this meeting is. And oddly enough you know it could be a coincidence but the meaning is like literally right beside where i was praying the church is two seconds from my house i thought i'd jump on a bus and do all this stuff that's just gonna make me not want to go and i ended up going there and it just was a just a really great great place like i didn't have to take, you know what i mean like it was just it was just couldn't have been more accessible and more easy and I was just like, it, it just felt like something was listening. You know what I mean? It just felt like I, I, I asked and it was like, okay, like, okay, dude, here you go. Here you go. So I've been hitting that one ever since then. So it, but I had a few, I've had a few dips, you know, it's been, it's been a rough ride, man. What you say there, and I'm sure Jesse's got some thoughts on this, you know, it could be a coincidence, but I guess it's all in your perception of those two events right and the correlation and and meaning between the link between the two and you know it's i think like down to you how you want to engage with that right jesse 
Oh yeah, no, I I don't believe in coincidences. I really don't. I've seen enough and I've experienced enough in my life to make me firmly believe that there is a higher power or an energy or a spirit or whatever people want to call it, God, uh, that does guide us. And it is really all in the eyes of the beholder. And that experience is between you and that higher power or God. And that's something that nobody can take from you. You know, you called out and there's a power to that regardless of, 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 you know, a belief specifically in religion or whatever that the invoking and the desire and the energy that you put out when you are saying, help me. Cause I've been there many times. Um, you are going to see something happen one way or another. You just have to be perceptive and humble and open to it. So I truly do believe that you got an answered prayer. That is something that was laid yeah. before you. And it's your choice now to to walk along that path and how you choose to navigate that path. But you know, you had that opportunity. Some people don't have that opportunity. They they find death before they find their answer or their path. So I I consider you very fortunate as far as that's concerned. You know, your your journey has been incredible. But you are now operating on a different level and you're engaging like I you use the word vibration a few times. I love that. There is vibrations. You can plug into different vibrations in the universe as energy. And we're talking just specifically energy. You don't have to talk about spirit world or dimensions. You can see this other vibrational energy and you're striving for it. So it's there within your reach. And there's super power in that. But it's yeah, it's all on you, man. You you have to just take that journey. And it sounds like you know you need to take it. So and I love it. You've got this determination. There's still some push and pull in your spirit, but you've got fight. And that's more than most. So I commend you and I encourage you to continue on that path, my friend. I appreciate that very much. And it's and think about this. Like right now, like here's like I'm talking to Jesse Leach and Matt Stokes. Like you know, this is so rad. Like, I mean, you, here you are manifested right here. Here you are in my room. Like, how weird is that? Jesse Leach is looking at it. Like, there's a little portal here, and you're in my world right now. Like, yeah, man. The, ma- the magic of Zoom. Well, I know, and I've got pretty used to the Zoom magic through some of the some of the. There's been a lot of meetings on Zoom, and uh, you know, for me to be able, it's a strange uh, world we live in, and it's it's yeah i'm very grateful i just try to remain very grateful and and the power of manifestation i just think is real man you know what i mean and like i've got my reservations about some of these programs that we've mentioned right but i do think that the blue book is a profound piece of literature a literature and it's 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 like the ultimate self-development book for any addict i think that the world everyone should do a set of steps 12 steps like just for anything like everything like it's, it's apply, you can apply it to anything my and friend monique says like, that my friend monique, my friend monique powell from the band save ferris she's done the 12 steps she's not sober at the moment but she said to me on many occasions that everybody should do those steps at some point in their life everyone because there's something to learn from them regardless of whether or not you're an addict um I'm yet to do that, and I, I think I would, in the course of the next few months, I think, like to delve into it and and learn well, learn a thing or two from it. Russell Brand actually has a book. I really like Russell yeah, yeah. Brand, and he his he's got a good like vibe on on the twelve steps. Like it's just a little less intense. Like the my first... I own that book, so I'll probably just start reading that. Yeah, buds, I got books. Yeah, free, free, freedom from our addictions. Yeah, is that what it's called? That's right. 
Oh yeah. no, this one's called yeah, yeah, this one, yeah, Re- recovery, freedom from our addictions. And I mean that's porn addiction, drama, television, Netflix. Well, it's, this, it's this shit as well. It's fucking social media, phone addiction, all of it. Caffeine. I'm not caffeine. on. Yeah, and I'm not on social media right now. Like I took a break from Facebook. I'm trying to get more beef on my. I'm trying to beef up my Instagram a little more because I just feel like it's a little bit more of an echo chamber as far as negativity, but like. When all that cancel culture stuff started popping up, I was like, oh, my God. But, yeah, like, even just not being on social media, I'm like, oh, like, my brain and neurology is like, it wants to check the phone. It wants to, it's, it's just nonsense, right? So, you got to, what was it? Who, I think it was on the Justice Show where you guys were talking about, uh, just if you're a creative person, it's important to really focus on that and stay away from your damn phone and all the distractions, Right. So, but anyway, going back to the 12 steps, yeah, I thought they were profound. Like when I did my step four, which basically take a tally of all your resentments, and holy shit, I had a lot, 98 of them or something, you know, and some people have hundreds and I'm like, whoa, like that's a lot. But once you write all those resentments out, you write all those, you know, and then you, when you take responsibility at like your part for each one of those resentments, then you have what they call as like a, like a, a religious experience. And I totally did. I mean, 97 or whatever, I just wrote out, I'm like, holy, like, I'm a, oh, I'm a bit of an arrogant dick. Oh, I'm a bit of an arrogant dick. Oh, I'm a bit of an arrogant dick. <laughs> you start thinking and you start having a moment. And that was profound. Like that, that I, I felt, you know, I, I, that was, that was good for me for sure. But, uh, and then the groups too, like I only do one a week. I don't really want to go, you know, because I do other things as well. But um, it's good. You I don't need to give it good. all up, dude. You've you've given more than enough. You've been very generous. And what's cool for me and Jesse, and I sincerely mean this, is what you're saying about the, you know, the the enjoyment and and replenishment that you get out of an experience like this. We get it tenfold as well, hosting this show and connecting with people like you. Um, it's a big deal, man. Like I've been doing my podcast for four years, but I don't get anything like what I get from this show already. Um, and we've been doing this show a matter of weeks and it already feels so special and important. And, you know, me and Jesse play a tiny part of that. It's so much bigger than just us too. And we already feel it. And it's, it's rad. Yeah. Um, what you, what you guys are doing is incredible. I couldn't, I just, like I said, I, saw your post and reached out and i was like yeah they answered the answer and he did and i was i was really surprised and um really felt like what an opportunity right and you need more podcasts like this like what you guys are doing is, is incredible man and like i'm stoked oh and jesse sage francis like i was really surprised i haven't heard that name in like 18 years i actually put on some stage francis yesterday just because like oh yeah that brought me back to 2002 man like, yeah, he's he's a great lyricist and he's got oh. some incredible incredible shit you know that he writes about he's prolific in my mind you know and what's even more amazing about him and a lot of people don't know this is his poetry just him standing on stage alone with a microphone has moved me to tears the dude is brilliant he's a brilliant dude but you know to piggyback on what both of you guys are saying it's the human experience and it's like it's just a matter of you know i've put this energy out into the universe and i've asked god for for guidance in my life because you know, music isn't the end all be all. It was for a while for me, but as I've gotten older, there's the, there's a, a a need to reach out past myself because I have gone through what I went through and continue to go through. Really, everybody continues to go through this, but the more I talk to people, the more I relate to people, the more empowerment I get and the more knowledge I get and wisdom, really, because from, from experience, 
and I'm able to pass that on. So it's really just a system. I hate to use the word system. Uh, it's really just a, a functionality of, of paying it forward and, and sort of growing together as a community and, you know, the collective, if you will. And I love that about this podcast because it does bring people in to tell their stories. And it is a place where Matt and I are just, we're just hanging out. There's no expectations. There's no driving force behind this except for to find a common ground and bring the humanity to light and create a place where like in a world of crazy division right now and insane chaos, there's a bit of peace and a bit of solidarity between a few humans. And that's what it's all about for me. I love it. It definitely fills me with a new sense of purpose that I haven't gotten from music. Yeah. And what, um, when you listen to a podcast long enough, you, you become, you, it's also, you become friends with them, you know, and it, it, that's in that and getting vulnerable is so powerful, man. Like it really, and, it, and that's how I feel. And like, I related to this podcast immediately the first straight away when you guys started going, I'm like, Oh yeah, like you're into it, you know? And uh, that's important, man. And I and people do they they there's so many people that are, that probably get a lot, like a lot of mental health benefits just from listening, like that aren't going to meetings or aren't in counseling. They just put on their podcast and they're driving home from work, and you're talking on some subjects that are you know ringing their bell. Man. I mean, not anything like that's like just so important, man. Especially in the, this day and age, you know. And even with my music, I. That's like, I used to, I remember when I first started music, I was like, oh, I just want to be a rock star, get babes, and like be the coolest guy. And, you know, that I grew out of that. And it's like, there's got to, there's, I want to, I got to send a message. The message is what, is what matters. And that's what people are going to resonate with, man. That's Amen. just going to stoke people's fire. You know what I mean? Perfect. Perfect. I love that. Yes. Are you singing in a band at the moment, dude? Or are you looking for work? Let's get the fucking members work, assembled. Baby. I'm looking for work. So I've been in a few bands. Uh, I'm available. I'm, uh, I'm, I sing in the same room as uh, uh, Jesse. Like, same same vocal style. Uh, Jesse's one of my Mount Rushmore. Jesse, uh, Corey Taylor, uh, obviously Jamie, and then... Uh, and then um, Who's for? Oh, my God, I can't believe you... Uh, Gene Simmons. I'm forgetting his name. Or, um, the last thing I kill switch. Oh, I'm going to kill myself for this. Howard Jones. Howard. Oh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> Jesse's like who? <laughs> oh, that. Oh, that guy. <laughs> I, I ran into him eh? at um, a show a long time ago. It was Hatebreed, uh, the Devil You Know, and Devil Driver, and they played the venue downtown Vancouver. And I'm so I was like outside drinking away. I had like a half drunk bottle of fireball. So I'm like, oh, I need some more fireball before Avery gets on. And fucking walking down the street, and there's Howard. Well, I'm like, I'm looking like Howard. He's like, he's like, you. I'm like, <laughs> that's yo, a, that's yo, yo, bro. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah, it, right? He's, he's a good I'm dude. Like, he's he's overcome a lot of shit too. That dude. He's he's got a crazy story. Well, I he, know, right? He's told it a little bit, but there's some depth to that dude too. I respect and admire him. Uh, proud to call him friend too. But well, yeah, what a beast sorry, of a sorry, vocalist, sorry. though. No, dude, it's all good. Yeah, much love to Howard. I uh, just I just walked up to him with a half drunk bottle of firewall. Like, yo, man, you, you got any like advice for a struggling front man? And he's like. Sound on my shoulder just says, "Keep on keeping on," and just walked <laughs> away. <laughs> I'm like, like an old bluesman. Amazing. Awesome. 
Well, listen, man, I hope you don't um, mind me saying this, and I hope I'm not overstepping the mark. I asked you earlier on if you were going to be like aiming to stay sober, and it sounds like everything that we've talked about, sounds like you don't need that shit in your life, man. It sounds like you're, no. on, a good, you're on a good path without it, and it sounds like the right thing for you is to not go down that, that path again. That would be my you know, take from this conversation. It seems like you've got so much positivity and love and light to share with the world. And it sounds like that stuff hasn't done anything for you. So not a thing, not a thing, man. And yeah, you'll, it's just, you'll find it's, strength, it's, man. You will find strength without it. I trust me. You will. Yeah. Well, it's just like that famous, um, quote, uh, the definition of insanity is repeating the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. Albert mm -hmm. Einstein. Yep. Right. Facts. So, yeah. Dude, more power to you, man. Do you have anything you want to ask Jesse before we before we let you get on your way? And also, if you want to fucking link up with some musicians in your area, where can people find you? Where are you geographically, and where are you online? If there's any guitarists or drummers out there that want to start a oh, band, dude. let's fucking get a band going out of this tour. I would love to, man. I want to do a greasy rock and roll band. I want to bring back some greasy rock and roll. And uh, yeah, I'm available, man. There's a front man. Like, like I said, I'm in the realms of Jesse's vocal style, Corey Taylor. Um, if you want to find me, I'm here keeping on uh, Facebook or keeping it underscore metal on Instagram. Uh, if you want to check me out musically, it's uh, there's a song called Suffering in Silence. There's a video on YouTube. There's another one there called Flesh and Stone from a band I used to be in called Warhorn. Called what? Uh, sorry, mate. Sorry? What's the band called? Warborn. Warborn. Yeah. And, I had, and it's Vancouver area, right? Canada. Yeah, Vancouver. Sorry. And anyone has any questions about just mental health or, you know, are struggling, feel free to message me, man. I can set you up with some, you know, just like podcasts I listen to, books I've read. You know, if you want to just reach out to me, whatever. It's all good. I'm open to conversations and chatting. And But yeah, man, let's rock on. I'd love to. I'd love, that would be amazing if something like popped off because of this podcast and being a guest would be crazy. So like I said, I got no kids. I got a passport and I'll tour in a smelly little van across the nation eating fucking macaroni, whatever it takes. <laughs> You're good to go. Yeah, right now. I love it, dude. Um, Thank you so much, man. This has been amazing. This has been life affirming. And uh, you, as, Jesse, as Jesse said, you're a survivor. You're a warrior and you're going to be all right, man. Hell yeah, brother. All hails, man. All fucking hails. Keep, keep, Thank you, as Howard said, keep on keeping on, but I'm, I'm going to add to that. Keep the fuck keeping on, man. <laughs> you, yeah. got this, bro. you got this, man. Yeah. Hell yeah. Thank Thanks, for coming on. Thanks for sharing and being brave and uh, continued success in, in your journey, my friend. I know that uh, you've got a little ways to go, um, but you'll get there. Yeah. Thank you. All right, guys. All hails, brother. All hails. Peace. See you, Garrett. Keep those fires stoked out there. Hell yeah, guys. Keep it, keep it up. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. What a geezer. <laughs>
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.